We're starting a new series today, uh, kicking off today, and it's called Questions, all right? And uh, we're going to kick off today talking about questions about the resurrection, all right? That's what the theme is for today, but it's also uh, attached to it are a lot of questions that come with the resurrection. There's a lot of questions about a lot of things in Christianity, okay? And this whole month, we're going to be approaching a lot of those, and so we thought, we thought that today would be a great day to kick that off. And... Uh, I'm not naive, okay? I know that there's three different types of people in this room right now. There's those of us who believe in the word of God. We, we trust in the message of the Bible and our faith is strong in God. And I mean, hey, we're, we're believers. And then there's some of us that are kind of on the fence, right? Like, I think it's a good idea. And I believe some other things, but I'm not sure that all of it really is true or pertains to me. And then there's those of us today that are here that are unbelievers or skeptics. And uh, come on, let's just be honest. It's Easter, and so we're at church. <laughs> it's okay to be honest here, all right? If the family's here, and so you came with the family, I get it. Um, but my hope is that by the time we leave today, that some of these questions that test all of our faiths, uh, will we'll be tested, but also will encourage our faith. Because here's one thing that all of us do have. We all have faith. Okay, we, we all have faith in something. And uh, it's a reality that all of us live with. Our trust, our belief is placed in something. It's just where we choose to place that faith and that trust. Some of us choose the, you know, Christianity. Some of us choose other religions. And, and some of us choose nothing. But we're placing our hope, our faith, our trust in something. And so today, I want to talk about the Christian faith and what we place our trust and our hope in uh, in regards to the resurrection. Um, the resurrection is sort of a big deal, all right? Actually, the, the resurrection is central to the Christian faith. Without it, like honestly, we're, we're sort of wasting our time. Today's kind of useless. Today's kind of weird <laughs> that we all gather together to talk about a, a dead guy, all right? It's the thing that sets Christianity apart from all the other religions. It's the thing that sets Jesus, our God, apart from all the other gods, that our God was, was crucified, okay? He died a painful death, but he didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And because of that, we have hope, right? Like that's... That's the shift in the story, okay? My hope today is that as we talk about this, that this wouldn't just be a story, but it would be reality for you. Uh, but again, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that, yeah, okay, that's what the Bible says, but how do we know that that's actually true? How do, how do we know that that's legitimate or that like things got passed down generation after generation and we don't have some sort of like fickle story or like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Maybe we're missing some things. I think in church, a lot of times we, we get a little bit scared of those questions, all right? Like if I'm a believer, don't say too much because I might become a, an unbeliever, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or if I'm an unbeliever, I wouldn't want to say things that actually cause people to, to be more unbelieving. But I believe that as we search the scriptures and as we actually talk about it, that, uh, that our faith is encouraged, not discouraged. Y'all believe that? You're with me today? Okay, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about the resurrection, and again, without the resurrection, uh, everything that we talk about, everything that we do as Christians is useless. And, and the Bible actually speaks of this. Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians says this. He says it in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. 
Come on, this is just a good Easter message. Y'all just feeling the, oh, after all these, just worship, it's kind of coming down a little bit. And if our hope is in Christ, or our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Anyone. Like, feel sorry for the Christians, because if it's not true, it's pretty sad. You ever think about that? I mean, come on. I really actually, I would hope that believers do think about these types of things. Because I believe that if you don't, if you don't uh, process through these questions and through, through these, these doubts, like I have a friend that says a lot of, he says, hey, trust isn't trust until trust is tested. Faith isn't faith until faith is tested. I believe some of us are walking around like ignoring some things because we don't want to test our faith because we're scared about what we might find. Whenever Paul's like straight up, he's like, hey guys, let's gather around, let's talk about this. Okay, some of you are saying that the resurrection didn't happen. Well, I want to let you guys know something. If that didn't happen, then everything that we're doing is useless. I'm just going to throw it out there. And every, you can imagine, everybody's like, don't say that, Paul. You know, people might not come back next week. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you know, it's a big deal. It's something that's significant. Now, today's good, uh, uh, today is Easter Sunday, and that means that Friday was Good Friday. Good Friday is celebrating the fact that Jesus died on a cross, that his blood was shed, his innocent blood was shed to pay the price for the sin of all mankind. All right, the Bible talks about it. Uh, actually, everything in the Bible points towards that. But a lot of people stop at the cross. They sort of get, uh, I guess, stationary there, and they never move past the cross to the resurrection. Uh, but here's the deal. The, the cross is actually powerless without an empty tomb. Okay, if, if the resurrection didn't happen, then the cross really didn't do much for us. Okay, now the cross is also sort of like our modern day electric chair. Okay, it, it was a place of judgment and execution, um, but somehow, some way, like only humans can do, we, we create this monument called the cross and it starts becoming about the cross versus what happened on the cross. See, what happened on the cross is the thing that brings life, is the thing that brings hope. It's, that's the big deal, okay? But, but we get hung up on the cross sometimes and it becomes this religious thing. Like, like I, I wear a cross around my neck and somehow in that, like because I have the cross around my neck, I'm like a, a superhero or something. I don't know, that it's protecting me. That's just a shape, okay? It represents something that was significant, but in and of itself, it's just some boards nailed together. Okay, and, and, and it's so important that we do that because if you look at what was accomplished on the cross, the cross itself, it loses the focus and you focus on who was on the cross, but not, he didn't like stay on the cross. Okay, he, he, he was on the cross and then he was resurrected from the grave. So Good Friday is a good day, but Easter, what we're celebrating today it's better, right? Like, it's, it's good. It, it, it's sort of like the cross was sort of like the first chat or the first half of the book. But how many of you have ever read a book halfway or watched a movie halfway? You're like, yeah, turn it back on, <laughs> you know? That's why I don't like watching series on TV anymore because every time it's like, bah, bah, bah. and I can't tell you how many series I've watched that they canceled the entire show after the cliffhanger. It's, I'm jaded when it comes to TV series. 
They leave you hanging, right? But the cross is significant, but it's, it's really actually what happened on the cross, not the cross itself. And so again, our goal is to bring up some questions and to bring some supporting information uh, and, and, and facts and things in order to support our faith in why we believe what we believe. A lot of people believe that the Christian faith is not reasonable. It's unre- unreasonable. It's really based on things that, uh, eh, eh, I'm not really sure. You can't really prove that. But we believe a lot of things that you can't prove. I think one of the, the, the funniest things, and we'll be, we'll be hitting this in a couple of weeks when we talk about the validity of the word of God. But when you, when you talk about manuscripts that were written to support the Bible, I mean, how we have the Bible today, it's because things were copied and copied and, and, and people wrote down what happened and it gets passed down to what we have today. Well, you know, when it comes to the Bible, there's like 25,000 manuscripts. It's just this gigantic number and they're all valid. They've been, you know, tested and looked at. And, but yet, uh, have any of you guys heard about the guy uh, Aristotle? Maybe, yeah, possibly. Uh, there's some of his writings that they have like five manuscripts <laughs> that are written, but yet we take that and it's fact. It's, we teach it in our universities and talk about it like it's, it's true, but yet we'll doubt another book that has 25,000 manuscripts. It's just one of the, the things that we're gonna be talking about. It's not unreasonable actually very reasonable. So we want to look at a couple of things today that support the resurrection. And the first thing is this, is that the resurrection was the fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. It's important to know that the the resurrection, Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, it wasn't just a one-time event that came out of nowhere. People had been prophesying about this, honestly, since the beginning. God began speaking about it in the beginning. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians again. All of our scriptures today are out of 1 Corinthians 15, uh, which I'd encourage you later on today just to take some time and read directly through 1 Corinthians 15. It says this in verse three, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scriptures said. You see, people were looking forward to this before it happened. They knew it was coming. It wasn't necessarily a surprise. I mean, if you told me and you gave me a heads up about somebody coming, I'd be looking for them. And if they're fulfilling every single thing and doing all these signs and wonders, I'm like, well, that's obviously the guy. A lot of people missed it. A lot of people, some people nowadays, they say, man, if I could only see Jesus and actually watch him perform a miracle and do all of these things, then I, I believe too. I'd like to just help you out today and tell you that that's not true. If you go back in the Bible and look, there were people standing there whenever blind eyes were opened, dead men coming out of graves, and they still didn't believe. Faith isn't always cure. uh, There's not a cure for faith sometimes when it comes to the reality. Like, okay, if I can really touch it and see it, then I know it's true. Nowadays, we've got video evidence of things, right? And we still don't believe the videos we, we see because why? There's doubt. Like we're riddled with doubt. In the church, in our world, we don't have trust. The thing is, is that faith in God, you can't please God without faith. Like you can't even really start the journey with him without faith. There's this trust factor. Trust is a big deal. God was speaking since the beginning about Jesus and what he would be and what he would do. And as you read the word of God, you can begin to look through the lens of Christ and you'll see him in every book. You'll see him in the ark. You'll see him in the tabernacle. You'll, David spoke about him in Psalms. In Isaiah, the scripture that we just read during that, uh, the last song, 
We read the scripture last week whenever we talked about communion. And Isaiah was speaking about it. All throughout the word of God, it was speaking about Jesus. And as you begin to look through the lens of Jesus and you begin to read the Bible, things start becoming, uh, it means more, actually. I was talking to somebody recently about the book of Leviticus. And uh, that's like the book that everybody skips whenever you're reading through the Bible because it keeps saying long lobe of the liver. And you're like, why? What does it deal with the liver? <laughs> and those of you who aren't laughing, you've never read Leviticus. So, but it gets confusing. But whenever you know what it's actually speaking about, all of a sudden there's this life in it. There's, it starts making sense. And actually to me, it gives even more power to what Jesus did on the cross by doing away with a whole lot of that, man. He fulfilled all of it. That's what he did. So these prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, the odds of somebody, you know, coming alive and, and being birthed the way that he was birthed and then living the life that he lived and doing the things that he did and dying the way that he died and then coming back, the fulfillment of all of those prophecies, uh, the odds that somebody would be able to do all of that is really next to none. Because some people, guess what? Well, he just, he read it and then he did all this kind of stuff, right? Um, he came back from the grave, like that's, no, no, no. He fulfilled hundreds of prophecies over hundreds of years. It's just one of the many things that, that proves who Jesus, that Jesus was who he said he was. But not only was it prophesied in the past, the resurrection was witnessed in the present. This is actually a really big deal. And again, today in the context of the service, we don't have time to delve deeply into each one of these things. So we're just hitting a couple of these questions, but it was witnessed in the present. First Corinthians 15, again, he says this. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. This is Paul speaking. And in case you don't know who Paul is, Paul, his name was Saul. And he was one of the greatest critics of Jesus, okay? To the point that he would go and he would arrest people for believing in Jesus. He would, he, I mean, he was, he was killing people. He was arresting, he was splitting families apart all because people were believing in this Messiah, this savior, this Jesus. He was the greatest skeptic. And then one day Jesus met him on a road and completely renovated his whole life. Actually, he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And from that point, Paul went from a skeptic to an advocate. I mean, he laid it all on the line. I tell you, anytime that somebody goes from a skeptic to an advocate or something, I like to hear what they have to say, right? Like, like it matters to me. We're talking about why witnesses matter. These people that saw the resurrection take place. It's sort of like a crime show or whatever. I asked in the first service, I was like, what's the big crime show now? Because I don't really watch many. Law and order. I'm like, that's still a thing? Like... <laughs> Law and Order is still on TV? I don't understand. It's just, I think my entire life it's been on TV. Every, like, I remember being a little kid. Now, I was a big Matlock fan. Any Matlock fans up in the house today? Come on. Andy Griffith, these, this, it was good stuff. It was very repetitive. And once you knew how one story went, they all went the same way. But I couldn't take my eyes off of them. It was just, so it's always just, just a good guy. Anyway, 
but then any shed really mattered not at all for this. But um, when I think of crime show, I picture his white suit, and it was just good. Kind of like the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy, but anyway. So when it comes to a crime scene, one of the first things that detectives look for is what? A witness. Did anybody see what happened? It's so important because, you know, you might have some physical evidence, but you, did anybody see? Can you actually put into words what happened? That way we can begin to build a case. And so when it comes to building a case for the resurrection, was there anybody there? Did anybody see what took place? And there were hundreds and hundreds of people that saw what took place. But we have to kind of look at the credibility of the witnesses, right? We got to look at this, does there, is what they're saying, does it actually line up with the physical evidence? Does it line up with what the other witnesses said? You know, sometimes it's like, it's like, hey man, did you see what happened? Oh, well, I didn't see it, but um, like my, my cousin, he told his friend who then told the other guy, and that's how I, I heard about it. It was like four people down, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, I don't believe a word you're saying, right? It's, there's no credibility to that witness because like their story doesn't line up or the, the distance between the time that the, the, the event took place and then the statements given, the longer that it goes, right? Doesn't details start kind of failing? There's things that happened a month ago that I can barely remember, you know? And so how, how soon did the witness give their statement about what took place? Does the stories corroborate? Is there, is there a, does it all match up? One of the biggest things about a witness is this. Does the witness have something to gain? Like by this guy that I'm witnessing against or for, uh, you know, them going to prison or, or them making it big, do I have something to gain through what takes place with that individual? And that's something that you have to look at with all witnesses, but in the context of Jesus, and these witnesses, let's look at some things that maybe they had to gain or lose in, in this story. First off, if you were really trying to sell an agenda and sell a story, wouldn't you want to start with the most prominent people? Wouldn't you want people who have clout in a community to be the ones to, to say, you know, I, I witnessed here today that I saw, the, I don't know, how would you stand up and witness back in the day? Now we get on Facebook. But back in the day, right, they, they, they witnessed, I witnessed, you know, this and everybody would recognize that person and they would have a certain amount of credibility with the people that would hear. That's how we would do it. However, let's look at how it happened with the, with the resurrection. It starts with the word of a woman. Okay, the, the big deal with that is back in the day, the word of a woman was much less valuable than the word of a man. And so if you wanted to push an agenda, you wouldn't start it with, well, you know, Mary saw this and, and da, 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 da. No, but that's exactly how it happened. These women go to the tomb and they find an empty grave. And they run back and they tell the disciples, they're like, hey, he's not there. And if you go read, it actually says they didn't believe him. They were like, oh, whatever. And one guy, he runs all the way back because he's like, maybe there's some truth. I mean, Jesus did say these things. Maybe he actually did it. Do y'all ever think about how sad the disciples were when Jesus died? Jesus told them what was coming up, but whenever he died, all hope was lost. A lot of them walked away very quickly. They said, well, that was less than climactic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, oh boy, I guess I'll just go back to fishing or doing whatever I was doing before, right? 
So whenever they come back with this word, there was hope that was birthed again. But the credibility was the shot. It, it took a shot right there because, man, this is the voice of a woman speaking. But then let's look at what they had to gain out of it. Let me tell you something. Each and every single one of you in this room, if I told you a lie, there's no way, if you knew it was a lie, that you would die for it. There's no way. These people that, that testified and witnessed of the resurrection, many of them lost their lives. And I don't think anybody would die for a lie. I don't think any of us in this room. I mean, it could be an agenda that you're totally sold out to, like for whatever reason, for personal gain, right? But you wouldn't die for it. Hundreds of people, thousands, even up until this day, have given their life for this message right here, that Jesus lived, died, and was raised again to bring hope to all mankind. Paul himself, a man who was a critic turned advocate, he gave his life. People don't give their lives for lies. They don't. They had nothing to gain. From the, con from the perspective of a witness, there was nothing to gain for these people to give their lives, but yet they did. Because it's real. Because it really happened. There was such conviction in it. They said, there's, there's nothing worth living for if I'm going to turn from this. The resurrection took place. Their motives were tested and they came out pure. But not only was the resurrection prophesied in the past and witnessed in the present, but this is the whole message for today. This is where we're gonna end because this is the most important step of the process. First Corinthians 15 says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies, because we all belong to Adam, okay? Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. This is the hope that we have, church. This is it. This is the big deal. This is, this is the hinge pin that everything rests on. The resurrection was prophesied in the past and witnessed in the present. And it promises us a new life in the future. Every single one of you in this place today, you, there's a promise for you to have new life in the future. But it starts with a simple belief. A lot of people come, they, they, they make the gospel complex, right? They put all these rules and these regulations up front and says, okay, these are the things that you must do. And if you do all of these well, then you'll attain righteousness. You'll attain goodness. And many of us, even though we don't hear people say that, we still have this internal thing that says that. Like, I need to be very good. I need to do a lot of good things in order to attain this, this place of salvation. I want to let you guys know that that is false. It's false. That is completely opposite of what the Bible actually says. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, that God raised Christ from the dead. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you put your faith in God alone, that you are saved. And then it really another word is justified, that you're justified in Christ. You see all these words that we read in the Bible, if you actually, if you approach it from a place of, of, of seeing the big picture, it matters so much more than just these individual rules and these individual things. You are first justified 
by faith through God's grace. And then from that point, you begin this process of sanctification. Okay, and that's a lifelong process. Some of you have come here today and you're approaching church and you're approaching Jesus from a conduct-oriented way of thinking. And right now, I want you just to, to undo that. The reason that we can sing these songs and there's such, there's such life in them and there's such joy in them is because whenever you realize that there's nothing you could have done to receive the grace that God has given to us, uh, you, you reach this place of humility and of hope and of joy because we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've, we've all fallen short of this standard. So in that context, we have no hope. But because Jesus died and was rose again, because of that, we have hope today. And all you have to do, seriously, it's this easy. I was talking to a guy recently. He said, it sounds a little bit too good to be true. I said, yeah, isn't it great? Isn't that the good news? Like the gospel means good news. That's the good news of Jesus. Like that's it, man. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. That's the message that I want to bring to you today. Right now in this moment, would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? And, and if you're in this place and you say, it's me, I'm far from God. Come on, you don't have to say a fancy prayer. It's a heart condition where you say, Jesus, I believe in you and I trust in you. Right now, I confess that you are Lord. That you are more than enough for me. God, would you forgive me of my sin? Right now, I believe in you. I trust in you. Change my life. Change my heart. I give you all that I am. In Jesus' name, every person said amen. Come on, can we give it up for those who gave their hearts to God today? for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church want to help people know God, and our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. 
If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.